Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. And as you hear me speak these words, the 2021 NFL Draft will be less than one month and one week away. And that means our annual Dash to the Draft series will be coming at you full speed ahead multiple times a week from now until your team is on the clock. Tonight, we proceed with the third part of our position-by-position prospect previews. These past few weeks, we did quarterbacks at defensive line edge. And to complete the hat trick, we will break down this year's super intriguing group of pass catchers, meaning wide receivers and tight ends. To help us break down these prospects that can help make an immediate difference for an NFL offense, it's a pleasure to welcome back our good friend Jacob Advante of Windy City Gridiron and the Draft Wire. How are you doing, Jacob? Hey, David. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. It's always a blast to come on the show. It's always a blast having you and your amazing football mind on this program. And uh, without further ado, let's break down this intriguing crop of pass catchers. And we start off with the guy who is not only the best pass catcher in this draft, but arguably the best prospect of this draft class, period. And that is Florida tight end Kyle Pitts. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah suggested that Pitts would be the overwhelming choice of folks around the NFL if they had to vote on which 2021 prospect is most likely to don a gold jacket. What makes Kyle Pitts so special, and why is he worth the top five pick despite playing a position that is less valued? Yeah, so Kyle Pitts, when you watch him on tape, he's about 6'6", 240, and he's is just he's just as athletic, if not more athletic, than a lot of the receivers in this draft class. I mean, his burst off the snap is nothing short of impressive, and he has the deep speed needed to stretch the field vertically. Uh, he's an intelligent route runner, too. He does a great job in man coverage, especially, of finding uh, leverage points that he can attack in man coverage or in zone. He can eat up those soft spots really well and just explode coming out of his breaks. And he's so big. And his hands are so reliable, and he's so physical at the catch point. And he's not a bad blocker. That's the thing. A lot of people are going to stretch and say, oh, he's a terrible blocker. He's not a great blocker by any means. He's not going to be uh, one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. But he's willing, and he's long. And that combination, you know, more often than not, will get the job done well enough. So just the rare, well-rounded skill set that he brings, I definitely agree. I think that. He's, he's my number three overall prospect behind uh, Trevor Lawrence and Penny Sewell uh, in this overall class. So I absolutely wouldn't be shocked uh, if he is the one most likely to enter the Hall of Fame down the line. And obviously that's – we're talking that's 15, 20 years from now that that's going to happen. But he's got really good tools. And I really like his game. And even though he doesn't play – necessarily the most valuable position take a look at the tight end position around the league right now how many purely game breaking tight ends are there nowadays like two or three it's travis kelsey george kittle and probably darren waller and then there's a huge drop off there isn't a surplus of tight ends at that caliber and kyle pitts has the potential to be one of those guys we've seen travis kelsey such a big role in that Chiefs offense, and we saw what happened to the 49ers when George Kittle wasn't there. Uh, when he got hurt, that offense sputtered. And last year, uh, well, two years ago now, actually, they made it to the Super Bowl, and George Kittle was a huge part of that offense. So, absolutely, I think a game-breaking tight end can really help. And even though the position as a whole isn't super valuable, a player of Pitts' potential absolutely is. So, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he goes in the top five, let alone top ten. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I really like Kyle Pitts. 
Yes, and another thing uh, people like a lot about Kyle Pitts, as you alluded to, is his versatility. You can not only line him up in line, you could also line him up in the slot. Heck, he could even be an X receiver in a passing game. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there are some people who actually project Kyle Pitts as a wide receiver. And while I'm not going to go around and do that, uh, I don't necessarily hate it. Just because you put him out as an X receiver, he's athletic enough, he's more than big enough, he's an absolute physical mismatch in coverage is what he is. And with that versatility, ability to be in line, out of the slot, out wide on the boundary or field side, wherever, he can play literally anywhere on the field. And that's part of the reason I think he's so impressive is just because of his ability to succeed, not just in one role, but in so many other roles as well. Most definitely, and uh, the wide receiver class uh, was arguably the centerpiece of the entire 2020 draft, and many, if not most, uh, I believe, including myself and yourself, were pegging it as a generational crop, but some believe that this year's wide receiver class could be even better. Do you share that belief, and if so, why? Yeah, I feel like it's very close when comparing this year's class with uh, last year's class, and I feel like if a receiver position... Last year's might have been better in terms of high-end talent, but this one might be deeper. In terms of when you're looking in that round four, round five range, I feel like there's a lot of talent in this class. And I honestly think that there's a pretty sizable drop-off after the first like five or six receivers in this class. Uh, but then after that, you're looking at a lot of uh, day two talent, which I think there are a handful of guys who can really step up and be reliable starters in this class. You know, we're looking at uh, obviously the top guys like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, uh, Jamar Chase are basically the consensus top three at this point. But a little farther down the list, you're looking at guys like Amon St. Brown or Terrace Marshall, uh, a handful of other guys. Like Jalen Darden out of North, North Texas is a guy that I really like. I don't know, think he'll go until early day three, but I think he has the potential to be really good down the line and then other day two borderline guys like Elijah Moore, Amari Rogers, I can go on and on. This is a really talented class. And I don't know if I'd say generational just because last year's class was so good as well, but it's really good. And I think that if not for the strength of the receiver class the year before it, we'd be talking a lot more about just how deep this class is. Indeed, and you mentioned Devontae Smith, the 2020 Heisman Trophy winner who is the top wide receiver on your board at this moment. And I can personally understand why you would have Devontae Smith number one on your board since it could be argued that he is the best route runner and has the best hands of the bunch in this class. However, some say he isn't somebody who could absolutely dominate at the pro level. And as he himself said today, Uh, He only weighs 170 pounds, and if you wanted to find the last wide receiver standing over 6 feet tall and weighing less than 180 pounds that was drafted into the NFL, you would have to go all the way back to 2001 when Marvin Snoop Minnis was taken by the Kansas City Chiefs in the third round, and that nugget courtesy of our good friend Jordan Reed at the uh, Draft Network. What is your message to all those who doubt Devontae Smith of his ability to make a generational impact to the NFL because of his lack of size and lack of freakish athleticism? Look, I mean, I get it. I get why people are scared because of the weight. And truth be told, I do wish that he bulk up a little bit. Uh, you know, being at his, uh, his pro day press conference, he did say that he's about he's 170 pounds right now. And on, he, he 
when people were, were bringing up size in his press conference, uh, he, he did seem a bit irked by it. And honestly, I wouldn't, I, I don't blame him because you go out, you win the Heisman Trophy, you put together this fantastic year, and you prove against some of the top talents in college football that you can get open, you can make plays in the open field, you can stretch the field deep, take the top off a of defense. And all people are talking about is your, your weight. And, yeah, I think he could stand to add about 10 more pounds or so, but that's just Devontae Smith. I think he's, you know, going to be skinny uh, regardless of how much weight he gains at the NFL level. I think that that's just the way his body is uh, constructed. But I think when you turn on the tape, you watch, at least in my opinion, the best route runner in this draft class right now in terms of his intelligence, in terms of his footwork and athleticism. Uh, I think he's the best without question. I watch a lot of receivers in this class. I actually, uh, on my board right now, I have 61 receivers that I've watched. And I feel really confident saying that Devontae Smith is the best uh, receiver in terms of getting open. And those reliable hands that he has, tremendous ball skills, uh, body control when the ball's up in the air, uh, I think he's a better athlete than a lot of people give him credit for I mean, I don't think he's going to wow anyone with his 40 or anything, uh, which he didn't end up uh, running his 40-yard dash. He didn't do any of the testing measurables or any of that. But when you watch Devontae Smith on tape, he can get open because he's athletic. He can make plays in the open field. He can stretch the field vertically because he's fast. I think play speed is more important than testing. And sure, Devontae Smith isn't going to light it up in terms of analytics and metrics or anything. But the, the film shows that Devontae Smith is an incredibly talented player. And I, 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 get the, I get the concerns about his weight. But I think that all that said, I think he has the potential to be a really good player in the NFL. And I feel pretty strongly about that. Yeah, there are many reasons to believe why Devontae Smith is going to be a very, very good player in the National Football League. And as the Kansas City Chiefs have shown the league in recent years, speed is an absolute necessity in a modern-day NFL receiving group. And the best speed receiver this year's draft is Devontae Smith's teammate, Jalen Waddell. And last year, another speedy wild from Alabama, Henry Ruggs, was the first wide receiver to go off the board. And buzz around the league suggests that scouts and GMs are higher on Waddell than they were on Ruggs. Why do you think that's the case? And would you be surprised if Waddle is the first receiver off the board? Yeah, so when I look at uh, Jalen Waddle and compare him to Henry Ruggs, I do think that there are definite similarities there. Uh, I mean, they're obviously both game-breaking athletes. They can make defenders miss in the open field. And if they get the chance to outrun you in a straight line, it's game over. But I honestly think Jalen Waddle is a more polished route runner than Henry Ruggs was coming out. And I think that Henry Ruggs uh, gets a little bit of an upper hand in terms of the fact that Jalen Waddle got hurt. But I would take Jalen Waddle over Henry Ruggs simply because not only is he athletic, I think he's a smarter and more efficient route runner than Henry Ruggs was coming out because. Ruggs wasn't a bad route runner. I just don't feel like he was as sharp as he could have been. And I don't feel like he was as nuanced in his releases as he could have been for his athleticism. I think Jalen Waddell is, though. And I think that that combination of size and route running ability, we could be looking at Tyreek Hill in that level. Like we mentioned uh, the Chiefs wide receiver position. 
they're emphasizing speed. I think that that ties in perfectly uh, just because of some of the similarities I see in, in uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill's games. And obviously that's a really high ceiling and that's a lofty comparison to make to a guy in, you know, who hasn't even played it down in the NFL. But I think Jalen Waddle can be that good. It's just a matter of if he's going to be able to stay healthy and if he's durable enough to take on those NFL hits and that physicality. Yes, and you mentioned Tyree Kill. A lot of people were saying last year, oh, Henry Ruggs is the next Tyree Kill, but a lot of people say that uh, Jalen Waddle is more comparable to Tyree Kill than uh, Henry Ruggs is. Why do you think uh, Jalen Waddle is more comparable to Tyree Kill aside from his route running? Honestly, I feel like route running is a big part of it. Uh, And also, I do think Jalen Waddle is a bit more uh, physical in terms of a route runner, in terms of a, a runner after the catch, rather. And I don't think that necessarily Jalen Waddle's the guy who's going to consistently run you over if he gets the ball in the open field. But I think he's a bit more physical than Henry Ruggs was. So, and then what you watch Tyreek Hill, he's got that low center of gravity. Uh, and I think that that's something you can kind of see in Jalen Waddle. Obviously, they're a little bit of a different build. I think Tyreek Hill is a bit more, uh, I don't want to say stocky, but a little bit more low to the ground, I guess you could say, than Jalen Waddle is. But I think they're both physical and in terms of running the ball. And I didn't really see a ton of that with Henry Ruggs coming out of Alabama the year before. So I think that route running is probably the biggest thing that makes uh, Waddle a better comparison to Tyree Kill than Henry Ruggs. But I, I ultimately, it's going to be interesting to see if he can live up to those comparisons because both receivers are definitely – talented uh rugs and waddle so it i don't know it's just going to be a matter of whether or not waddle can prove that he can stay healthy at the next level and if he can work with a team that can manage to get him out in space because if he can get out in space he's going to be a real threat at the next level most definitely and another uh, notable comparison between uh, Jalen Waddle and uh, Tyree Kill that doesn't apply as much to Henry Ruggs is their ability in the uh, return game. Can you see it making an immediate impact to the return game? Yeah, absolutely. I'm watching Jalen Waddle at the collegiate level. He's an incredible return man and that athleticism uh, combined with his field vision and ability to determine what moves to make in order to evade defenders. I feel like that translates very well as a return man at the next level. I don't know if he's going to be a return man in the long run, especially if he develops into a, like a true number one receiver at the next level. Uh, then I don't know necessarily if a team's going to run the risk as much, but certainly early on in his career, I think he has all the potential in the world as a return man. Uh, whether that's as a kick returner or a punt returner, I don't know. Uh, and I couldn't necessarily speak to that at the next level, but I do think that regardless, he has a lot of potential in, in special teams. And they used him there quite a bit early on in his career, playing behind a whole bunch of guys, you know, uh, like Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs. Oh, wait, no. J- <laughs> I just realized I said Jalen Waddle. I meant, <laughs> uh, well, I meant Devontae Smith. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah. I think that Jalen Waddle can be a return man at the next level. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not uh, teams are going to want him there long-term, depending on his development as a receiver. 
And rounding out the uh, big three, so to speak, of the top three uh, receivers of this class with Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase of LSU is considered to be the best wide receiver prospect of this class by many, including Dave Brugler and Daniel Jeremiah. And uh, Jamar Chase, he was obviously Joe Burrow's go-to guy during LSU's national title run in 2019, in which he hauled in 20 touchdowns in the process. But above all, it's his yards after the catch ability and ball skills that make him the ideal prototype for today's ex-receiver. What are the weaknesses of Jamar Chase's game that prevent you from ranking him number one on your board? Yeah, and it's honestly really, really close. Uh, I think I have Jamar Chase neck and neck with Devontae Smith. Uh, ultimately, I do think that sitting out uh, in 2020 did knock him down a point or two on my grading scale. I think if he played again in 2020, I mean, obviously that's a you know tough risk to have to make considering how high his draft stock already is. Uh, but I do think that he only has one big year of production. If I'm not mistaken, 2018 wasn't necessarily elite in terms of his production. 2019 is where he had his breakout year. So teams are going to have to wonder, okay, we haven't seen this guy play football in, you know, a year and a half. Is he still as good as he was in 2019? Which I think he will be because his tape in 2019 is an absolute clinic. Uh but I do think that very minor concern, that's the difference between having him at receiver one. And obviously you mentioned like Dane Brugler and Daniel Jeremiah having him at receiver one. I totally get that. And that's something I came really close to doing. And I had Chase at receiver one for a long time. But I, I just think it's something very minor like that. That's how close I think the top three are. That's something, you know, could be fairly trivial down the line, but just that little detail, I think that's what knocks him down from being uh, receiver one to my receiver two. So it, it's nothing big at all. I think that he's an incredible talent. He's physical. He's big. He's intelligent. Uh, he's great after the catch. And I don't think his athleticism concerns are really anything to worry about. I think he's plenty athletic. I mean, he's not a Jalen Waddle by any means, but he's still good. And he can beat receive. He can beat defensive backs deep, and I, I don't think that his tape showed anything to be worried about athletically. So, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Jamar Chase as it is. I think he can be a true number one X receiver at the next level, and teams uh, are probably going to fall in love with him if they haven't already. Yeah, and after the uh, big three of uh, Smith, Waddle, and Chase, there's a logjam of guys with diverse skill sets. You have gadget types like Kadarius Tony of Florida. Allen Robinson, Cortland Sutton-type talents like Terrace Marshall Jr. of LSU and Rashad Bateman of Minnesota. And if you were a GM of a team that had a bare cupboard at wide receiver, I mean a total bare cupboard at wide receiver, and had to choose between those three prospects while you were on the clock, who would you choose and why? Yeah, if I had to choose between those three guys you mentioned, I'd have to go Rashad Bateman, simply because I think that his combination of size, uh, speed, ball skills, and route running intelligence is the best combination of the two. And we've seen what a dominant X receiver can do for a team. You're looking at guys like uh, Julio Jones, like uh, DK Metcalf in today's NFL, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, those type of guys can be like true difference makers for an offense. I think that Rashad Bateman maybe won't be at that level. I think he's going to be a very good player. You mentioned Allen Robinson. That's actually my comparison for Rashad Bateman because looking at their games, it's a lot of similarities in terms of how big they are. Uh, they're both around 6'2", I think like 215-ish, somewhere around that range. Uh, I see a lot of similarities. Uh, 
with Bateman's strong hands. I feel like whether he's in contested situations or just across the middle of the field, he's a natural hands catcher. It can grab the ball away from his frame. Uh, he's physical at the line of scrimmage going up against press coverage. He's got good footwork for a bigger guy too. I mean, he's not going to be a burner by any means, but I think that he's got enough lateral quickness in a vacuum to get open against press coverage and to get open on those shorter to intermediate routes. And that's ultimately what you want on your X receiver, someone who can get open and be like a security blanket of sorts for your quarterback. And I think that's the type of guy Bateman is. I don't think that Terrace Marshall is as subtly or nuanced as a route runner as Rashad Bateman is. I don't think he's as physical, uh, although I do love his skill set. And I don't think Kadarius Tony is either physical enough or uh, nuanced either as a route runner. I feel like both Marshall and Tony at this point are more raw athletic types. I think Tony showed a lot of improvement as a route runner in 2020, but I still think he's got some improvement to do. So factoring in all that, I take Bateman. Uh, he's my receiver four right now. I think he can be a legitimate thousand yard guy at the next level. And uh, back to the tight end class for a moment. The distant second fiddler to Kyle Pitts in this year's tight end crop is, according to many, uh, Pat Fryermuth of Penn State. What makes Fryermuth a good consolation prize for a tight end needy team picking in the top 50 that has no shot at drafting Kyle Pitts? Yeah, so with Pat Fryermuth, I see a guy who's also pretty versatile. I think he's a better fit in line than Kyle Pitts is. Uh, but he's also athletic. And if they want to move him out in the slot or even outside, I think it's possible because uh, I look at Fryermuth, I think he's another great combination of uh, size, speed, and strength. Uh, I'll admit, the more I watched his tape, I didn't think he's an elite blocker, but he's still pretty solid, ultimately. He's a good athlete who can stretch the field, and you know you can use him on those scenes because he's fluid enough. He's got great hands. He's reliable in red zone situations, and I still think Pat Fryermuth is a strong first-round talent. Some people might not see it that way anymore, but I have him within my top 20. I think he's good. He's got the potential, maybe not to be one of those Travis Kelsey or George Kittle types, but definitely that next tier down. And that, that's like Pro Bowl caliber talent right there. I think that's what Fryermuth can bring to the table. He's versatile uh, in terms of where you, wherever you move him. I think he's going to be the type of guy he can get open. Uh, he can make those plays in tight coverage and maybe doesn't have as high of a ceiling as Kyle Pitts does, but I think he could be – uh, pretty dang productive when it's all said and done. Yeah, and uh, Pat Fryermuth was a guy that considered entering the 2020 draft but decided to play an extra year at Penn State. Do you think he made the right decision by playing an extra year in college? I mean, I think he did. I think ultimately he uh, was able to build upon his draft stock pretty well. Uh, and looking at that tight end class, last year, sure, it wasn't great. I don't think Fryermuth had enough. Uh, hype around him at that point uh, to stand out. I mean, sure, eventually there's a chance that he would have been able to build upon that down the line. But, I mean, I think that the hype was able to build up around the summer uh, with Friar Muth, and we didn't really hear a whole lot about him until then. So, yeah, I think that he'll end up getting drafted higher now than he would have last year. I I don't think he's – I don't think he'll go in the first round. I mean, I think he's a first-round talent, but I think he's going to be a round-two guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's still going to make decent money, uh, and he's going to have the opportunity to step in right away and make a pretty big impact for an offense. Uh, 
at least in terms of rookie tight ends. I mean, obviously, we've seen rookie tight ends tend to have a bit of a steeper learning curve, but I do think that uh, Farmuth is the type of guy who can be solid right away and develop into a really good player down the line. He is Jacob Infante, ladies and gentlemen, NFL draft analyst for Windy City Gridiron and the Draft Wire. You can follow him on Twitter at Jacob Infante24. And Jacob, uh, before he lets you go, uh, it's time to play our favorite game, Best Team Fits, in which uh, we uh, restate all these prospects we talked about and some others that we haven't talked about. And you tell us uh, what team is the best fit for them and why, starting with Kyle Pitts. Yeah, so when I look at Kyle Pitts, I feel like there are a handful of teams that uh, really stand out as fits. Uh, I'm looking – the Cincinnati Bengals are one that I actually really like uh, for Kyle Pitts. They have the fifth pick, and that might seem a little bit steep. uh, But ultimately, I do think that that would be a very good landing spot for him if they don't go in that direction of uh, Penny Sewell at five or if Penny isn't available. I think that he would be such a good security blanket for Joe Burrow. And sure, that would come at the expense of upgrading your offensive line with that high-end pick. But if Penny Sewell's gone, I don't think there's an offensive lineman worth taking that high. I mean, Rashawn Slater, I think, can go a little bit further down. He's still a really good talent. Uh, But, yeah, I'm going to go the Bengals, actually, for Kyle Pitts. I think that that would be a great fit for Pitts to contribute right away and also for Burrow to get that potentially elite tight end to help him out in his development and uh, he could essentially be uh, the ex receiver in that Bengals offense uh, given the weapons they currently have and uh, continuing best he fits with uh, Devontae Smith yeah so looking at Devontae Smith I think there are a handful of spots that could stand out uh, I like the Dolphins for him actually I don't know necessarily if the Dolphins will go receiver at number three or for the even stay put at number three. I, I could see a quarter, uh, quarterback needy team trading up to that spot. But if the Dolphins do stay put at three, I think that would make a lot of sense. Uh, give Tua a guy that he's extremely uh, experienced working with and someone who can be a legitimate number one guy uh, on your roster from basically day one. Cause you're looking at the Dolphins roster. Yes, they did add Will Fuller, uh, They've got Devontae Parker. I think that you can stick Will Fuller uh, in the slot, ultimately, have Devontae Parker on the X as the boundary guy, and then Devontae Smith can be your uh, field side Z receiver. So I think that would be a really good fit. I mean, ultimately, I could see the Dolphins going Penny Sewell there as well at number three, but if they don't, I think Devontae Smith would be a very good fit for them. Uh, yeah, and him uh, reuniting with uh, Tua Tungavailoa would be a boon to the Dolphins' offense. They had the development of Tua. Completely agree there. Uh, what about Jalen Waddle? Yeah, so with Jalen Waddle, uh, one team that sticks out in particular to me is the Detroit Lions. Uh, and as much as I hate for me to say that as a Bears fan, I do think that Jalen Waddle will be a really good fit with the Lions right now because Kenny Galladay signed over with the Giants just a couple days ago. And that wide receiver room does not look great. I mean, you're looking at Rashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams as your top two receivers. And those guys aren't bad, but they're not number one guys by any means. Like, you're looking at them as, uh, like, third receivers on a good team. And those are your top two guys. So, ultimately, they're going to need a guy who can be that 1,000-yard receiver. I don't think they have uh, that true dynamic threat. I mean, sure, Rashad Perriman's fast. 
I don't think he's as explosive in space as Jalen Waddle is. I don't think he has the potential at this point that Jalen Waddle does. Uh, because Brashad Perriman's been around the league for a while. We know what he is at this point. Jalen Waddle, he's nothing short of a dynamo. And I think that just because you signed Brashad Perriman, which I believe was to a one-year deal, if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to double-check on that. But that's not long-term uh, security, even if that were to be a, t- a more talented receiver. So Jalen Waddle, I think, is a guy – you look at that Lions offense, doesn't have a lot of explosiveness in it, a lot of uh, wow factor. I think Jalen Waddle would bring just that. Uh, the Lions are a pretty good fit, but uh, let me add something here. Uh, the New York Giants, actually, who you just mentioned, seem to be a pretty good fit for Jalen Waddle, too, because uh, the other, you just signed Kenny Galladay to be the X receiver, and you got Darius Slayton on the other side, but you put Jalen Waddle uh, in the middle, you got a hell of an 11 personnel package there. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I think that if Jalen Waddle is, you know, if, if he falls to 11, which, you know, could be a possibility because we saw Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb fell a bit farther than a lot of us were expecting, uh, then absolutely. I think Jalen Waddle would be a great addition to that group of receivers. You mentioned uh, Kenny Galladay would perhaps uh, take off a little bit more pressure than if he were to land in, say, a, a Detroit-style situation. Uh and you have him, you have Darius Slayton, and then you can insert Waddle. Uh, I mean, I like him best on the field side. You could put him in the slot as well. And Slayton, Galladay, and Waddle, I think would be a really good trio. Uh, and the Giants are doing a great job of trying to invest around Daniel Jones and surround him with talent, which I like. I don't know if Daniel Jones is a franchise caliber guy, but regardless, you got to take your shot. So I'm, Definitely kudos to the Giants organization, what they're doing right now and trying to surround Daniel Jones with, you know, high caliber weapons. And if Jalen Waddle's available, then absolutely. I think they'd at the very least heavily consider it. And uh, what about Jamar Chase? What is his best fit in the NFL? Yeah, so I look at Jamar Chase and the, the first team that comes to mind is the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, we saw what happened at the wide receiver position for them. I mean, they've been ravaged by injuries. Uh, they've ended up letting a couple guys go. They had to uh, dump Alshon Jeffrey, who has been extremely disappointing. And the rest of that group, Jalen Rager looks solid, but he's not going to be a number one guy, I don't think, at the next level. Uh, Travis Fulgham is good. I don't know necessarily if he's the type of guy you want to build around going forward. And then J.J. Ortega-Whiteside that they had, their second-round pick in 2019 simply isn't panning out. So, I think Jamar Chase can be the legitimate number one receiver that Philly needs. Uh, if they truly want to give Jalen Hurts a fair shot to be their franchise quarterback, you got to surround him with something. And the offensive line, I think a lot of people are sleeping on it because of how many injuries they had. I, when that ha- group is healthy, it's a pretty good group. So you got a good offensive line in front of Jalen Hurts and then get a guy like Jamar Chase who can make an impact. I think Jamar Chase could very well be the most productive receiver in year one. Uh, I'm not going to say long-term who I think will be the most productive because I can't speak to that right now, but I do think Jamar Chase could be the most productive receiver year one, especially if he lands in a place like Philadelphia where he'd get a lion's share of the targets. And another place where he'd get a lion's share of the targets would be in Detroit. You mentioned Detroit is a potential fit for Jalen Waddle, but if Jamar Chase is still on the board at seven, I could see the Lions easily taking Jamar Chase over Jalen Waddle because they don't even have an X, and Jamar Chase is the quintessential X in today's NFL. 
Yeah, for sure. I think that if you're the Lions and you have Jamar Chase available there at seven, you got to, like I said, at the very least, you got to consider it. And you're right. I mean, the Lions do have guys like Rashad Perriman, Tyrell Williams. None of them are guys you can look at long-term and say, okay, I want this guy in my lineup for years to come. At least not right now. You can't really say that. Get a guy like Jamar Chase, and then you have one of those guys. And I don't think that – I mean, Brashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams are both taller receivers, but none of them are particularly as physical uh, and as reliable in those tight windows as a guy like Jamar Chase can be. So, yeah, I think that if uh, if Jamar Chase is available at seven, the Lions would definitely consider it. Uh, whether they'd rather have Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle, I'm not so sure. Uh, but absolutely, I think that would be an option for Detroit for sure. Uh, Kadarius Tony, what's the best possible landing spot for him? Yeah, so when I look at Kadarius Tony, I, I'm assuming he's probably going to go somewhere in the late 20s. I don't think he's going to be a top 10, top 15 guy. Uh, but putting him in a team that can contend right away and kind of take a little bit of that pressure off of him can allow him to develop as a route runner without having such heightened expectations. I think one team that stands out is the Green Bay Packers. Because you look at Devontae Adams, he's obviously an incredible talent, but they don't have a ton of receiver outside of him right now. Uh, there were rumors they'd go after Will Fuller. That didn't prove to be true. Uh, and then you're stuck with pretty much the exact same group that you had last year. So you get the chance to get a truly dynamic, explosive guy who can make moves after the catch, which they don't really have right now. Uh, outside of Devontae Adams, who's, you know, basically as well-rounded a receiver as you can get at this point. But they don't have that dynamic, uh, true speed weapon uh, in their offense right now. And if they want to maximize Aaron Rodgers' title window that he has, I think getting a guy like Kadarius Tony would be a really good addition because uh, they should have gotten a receiver last year. And that deep of a class, that draft hall that they came away with is looking worse and worse by the day. But they have the they have the chance to right their wrongs, and I think a guy like Kadarius Tony would add a really nice uh, wrinkle in their offense to make them a bit tougher to game plan for. Uh, yes, and whether he lands with the Packers or somewhere else, uh, you're going to have to manufacture a lot of touches for Kadarius Tony in his rookie season. And what about the best possible landing spot for Terrace Marshall Jr.? Yeah, so with Terrace Mar- Terrace Marshall, I feel like you can go in a lot of different directions here because is he going to go late first round? Is he going to go early second round? I mean, we don't really know for sure. Uh, one team that does stand out to me though, is the Baltimore Ravens. I feel like they don't really have a true reliable X receiver right now. Uh, they still have Willie Sneed out on the open market. I don't know if they're going to bring him back or not. Uh, but even then I feel like you at the very least could get a guy like Terrace Marshall who can stretch the field vertically and be that rare a side speed weapon that the Ravens kind of don't really have right now. But Terrace Marshall is also a guy who can serve as a possession receiver. Who's got, you know, good size to his game and can make those catches and, you know, pretty tight windows and can be that short yardage receiver uh, that I think would really help out Lamar Jackson because he doesn't have a ton of elite weapons right now. And I think that's holding back his development as a passer. And obviously he's not, a bad passer by any means. And I feel like he has some room to improve as well, but giving him another talented receiver in the first round, I think would do a lot to help him out and getting that true X receiver that they don't really have on the roster right now. 
Uh, yes, uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. could indeed be a monumental pickup for Lamar Jackson and his development as a passer. And how about Rashad Bateman? What is the best possible landing spot for him? Yeah, so there are a lot of different ways you can go with Rashad Bateman. Uh, one team in particular that does stand out to me, though, and I don't know if they'd take him this high, uh, is the New England Patriots at 15. Uh, they're in need of an X receiver right now. They need one pretty badly uh, because – Nikhil Harry simply hasn't worked out. And at the very least, I think that having another guy uh, in that room with, you know, that high of potential would do a lot of good for that offense. I mean, when you're looking at Nikhil Harry's game, I think he's a guy you can move around a bit more. I mean, you sign Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne in free agency, but uh, I feel like you can still put Harry in the slot or in the field side if need be. Rashad Bateman's the type of guy who's a consistent possession receiver and if they really want to give cam newton a fair shot here uh, i think adding one more weapon would do a lot of good for him uh they already invested so heavily in the tight end position especially but getting that number one possession type receiver that big bodied physical guy who can make those short yardage catches i think that would do a lot of good for that new england patriots offense uh again i don't know if they're going to draft him that high but i think it's a possibility and given that he'd probably be available on the board at that time. I think that the Patriots uh, should be doing their homework at the very least on Rashad Bateman, simply because I think he'd be a really good fit in that system. Another uh, speedster in this draft is Elijah Moore of Ole Miss. Uh, what is the perfect uh, landing spot for him in this uh, 2021 NFL draft? Yeah, with Elijah Moore, actually, I think I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears, uh, simply because, we're looking at their receiver room right now. They have Allen Robinson on the franchise tag, so he's more than likely going to be a bear at least for 2021. Uh, and they have Darnell Mooney out on the outside as well. But there have been talks that they're looking to trade Anthony Miller. Uh, and even if they do keep him around, the fact that they're even thinking about dealing him while he's still on his rookie contract shows that they're not all that high on him. I think that bringing in a pure slot weapon like Elijah Moore would do them a lot of good. I think Moore is definitely explosive. You get him out in the open field, uh, he's going to make some guys miss. And he's got that really impressive speed element to his game and ability after the catch, which I certainly think can make him a really valuable weapon uh, after the catch at the next level. And sure, he can improve in terms of his uh, route running technique a little bit and his size. Uh, will likely limit him from going in round one. But you're looking in round two, I think if the Bears see that value there, I think that that would be a really good fit, especially considering how productive he was in 2020. I mean, he didn't have a full season to work off of, but even then he put together one of the best receiver uh, performances in the country, and that's saying a lot in this class. So I think Elijah Moore, if he's available in the second round, would be a really good fit for the Bears as they look to try and upgrade uh, this offense, which obviously they showed with their interest in Kenny Galladay, they need another uh, big-time receiver in that room. So if they get the chance, I could see them going after Elijah Moore in round two. And from one speedy wide receiver named Moore to another speedy wide receiver named Moore, this Moore is Rondale Moore of Purdue. What is his best possible landing spot in the NFL? Yeah, so when I'm looking – around the league for Rondell Moore. I think one team that does stand out is actually the Cincinnati Bengals. I brought them up in terms of Kyle Pitts being a good landing spot. I think that Rondell Moore, uh, if he's available in the early second round, which he could be considering durability concerns, 
I think he'd be a really good fit there because they lost John Ross, who obviously didn't work out as well as Cincinnati had hoped. They have some talented receivers there. They've got Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, and Auden Tate isn't all that bad either. But none of those guys are truly game-breaking athletes. I think they need to add a receiver in this draft who's explosive, can make guys miss in the open field, and can stretch the field deep. Uh, and Rondale brings all that, and he also has some versatility on those jet sweeps and end arounds that guys, uh, not a ton of receivers in this class have. Like Kadarius Tony has that, uh, Amari Rogers might have that, and it's fairly limited after those guys. So Rondale brings that versatility. He has the ability to make guys miss and get open out of the slot. I think he'd be a really good fit there for Cincinnati. Uh, just goes again to giving Joe Burrow the most talented offense as possible. Uh, you've got your guy. He's a, He proved in 2020 that he's a talented quarterback. Just get him some better weapons, a better line, and I think you can really work some magic there in Cincinnati. And last but not least for wide receiver fits, Diami Brown of North Carolina. What is the best possible adding spot for him? Yeah, so when I'm looking at Diami Brown, I think that uh, he projects best as a slot at the next level. So I'm looking for teams uh, who can potentially – look into that type of guy. And I think that uh, the Minnesota Vikings actually could be a pretty interesting fit for Deami Brown. Uh, I don't know necessarily how high he'll go because I'm not as high on him as some other draft analysts right now, but I do think that the Vikings have two talented receivers in Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, uh, but they have little to no depth outside of that. And Adam Thielen is very good but you don't know exactly how long his prime is going to be. So getting another receiver could make a lot of sense, especially considering uh, the Vikings could very easily get him outside of round one and potentially outside of round two as well. Uh, so you're looking at Deami Brown. I think that he'd be a very good fit there uh, to give the, we- uh, the Vikings that true number three weapon. Uh, they've been lacking for quite some time. They've had some really good receiver tandems with uh, Jefferson and Thielen and Diggs and Thielen. Uh, but I think they've been lacking that true number one or number three receiver rather for quite some time. And I think that that would be, uh, it would take a lot of pressure off of Kirk Cousins to have another reliable receiver like that and could add a little bit more spark to that offense. And moving on to tight ends, the best possibility spot for Pat Fryermuth. Yeah, with him, I'm going to go the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that the Jaguars more than likely are going to go after Trevor Lawrence with that first overall pick. And, you know, the saying goes that uh, a quarterback, a young quarterback rather, needs a good tight end uh, to kind of serve as that security blanket for as he's developing and learning the uh, NFL, the speed of the game. Uh, I think that a guy like Pat Fryer moved to be a really good fit because currently that tight end group, they traded away Josh Oliver, who they drafted in the third round, I want to say, uh, back in 2019. They've got Tyler Reifert there. But, you know, time is told that Tyler Eifert, he's getting older, uh, and he's got that injury history. I think they need uh, an upgrade there. So get Trevor Lawrence, uh, someone else in the first round, and then you could look at Pat Fryermuth in round two. I think that would be a really good fit for him, uh, giving him a really good quarterback to work with right away uh, and giving the Jaguars another weapon because they've got talent in that receiver room. I really like uh, I really like DJ Chark and LaVisca Chanel that they have there, and they did add Marvin Jones. But I do think that Fryer Moose would be a really good fit uh, for Trevor Lawrence and for the Jacksonville Jaguars as a franchise. 
Oh, definitely. If you add Fryermuth to that offense, let's see. You got Trevor Lawrence, Fryermuth the tight end, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, and Marvin Jones wide receivers, and James Robinson at running back. That's a hell of an offense, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what you want for your quarterback, uh, especially on that rookie deal. You want to surround him with as much talent as possible to kind of maximize that uh, rookie contract that you're on. You've got a cheap guy there. Uh, so just take advantage of it. So absolutely. I think that if the Jaguars got Friar Moose, odds are it would prove to be a very valuable ad. And uh, Brevin Jordan, what's the best possible landing spot for him? Yeah, so Brevin Jordan, I think, is a move tight end at the next level. Uh, he's not a great blocker. And he's not super physical, but he's really athletic and he's a really good route runner. So looking for a team that needs one of those guys and doesn't really have a whole lot of investment at the tight end position right now. I'm thinking the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I have Brevin Jordan. I, I'd like him in round two, but I think he'll go round three. Uh, so if the Panthers get the opportunity to go after him, I think that would be huge for their offense. Obviously they've got some talented receivers. I like DJ Moore a whole lot. And Robbie Anderson obviously is an incredible player, uh, but they don't really have a great tight end. They signed Dan Arnold, uh, to a pretty cheap deal, and they have guys like Ian Thomas. I mean, that's not necessarily a guy who's going to stop you from uh, upgrading at the tight end position. Neither of them are, or uh, no one else on that roster. Uh, so if you get a guy like Brevin Jordan, who can you can line up in the slot, line up as an inline guy, as an H-back, move him around a whole lot of places. I think that he'd add a lot of speed and a lot of receiving value uh, to that tight end room, absolutely. And last but certainly not least, Trey McKitty. What is the best possible landing spot for Trey McKitty? Yeah, so actually, I'm looking for Trey McKitty. I think that, believe it or not, the Kansas City Chiefs. And hear me out. Uh, obviously, they have Travis Kelsey, who's one of the best. He's probably the best tight end in the league right now. Uh, but they don't really have a reliable guy they can go to in those 12 personnels who can line up alongside Travis Kelsey. And I think Trey McKitty could be a good value, especially considering he'll probably go off the board around third round at the earliest, probably day three. Uh, so it wouldn't be a super big investment. And the Chiefs obviously want to build that offensive line because that's what they've been doing this offseason. Uh, so they could go offensive line heavy with the early picks, but also get a guy like Trey McKitty who would be a good complement to Travis Kelsey uh, and that's not to say that Trey McKitty is unathletic by any means, but he wins with uh, size and he wins with strong hands and he's a good blocker. Uh, and I think that, that would be a really valuable uh, asset to that Kansas City offense. Just overpower that offense, honestly, because of how talented it is. Uh, it wouldn't hurt to add more. So, yeah, I'm going to go to the Kansas City Chiefs for Trey McKitty. I don't know necessarily if a lot of people uh, – have put that connection together but just off the top of my head I think that, that would be a pretty good uh, fit for Trey McKitty as he develops in the NFL and for the Chiefs in general as they look for a bit of a compliment for Travis Kelsey he is Jacob Infante ladies and gentlemen NFL draft analyst for Windy City Gridiron and the Draft Wire you can follow him on Twitter at Jacob Infante 24 thank you very much Jacob it is always a blast having you on the program and we look forward to having you back on very, very soon. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But more draft coverage, as I said, is headed your way each week as draft day draws near, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And a friendly reminder that it's Crunch with AK. 
And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Jacob. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 For Jacob Infante, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, wear a mask over your nose, wash your hands, social distance, stay awesome, stay safe, and when it's your turn, please get vaccinated. Thank you very much, everybody. (laughs) 